0: In this episode, we ask Hannah Sharp to come back and help us explain the really big as well as complicated and a little bit uncomfortable topic of Prostate Cancer for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Hannah helps us understand what the prostate is and why it's important
1: so the prostate is a gland in the male reproductive system and it's a really small gland it's just about the size of a walnut and its function is to help produce seminal fluid within the reproductive system
0: she helps us understand how much better it is to proactively get tested versus having to deal with prostate cancer
1: so in general for all men regardless of ethnic group and background Any man that's over 50 should be talking to their doctor about when they should start doing the digital rectal exams because prostate cancer risk does increase with age. Mm -hmm. But if you're a man from African um, American descent, then it's recommended that you go to your doctor and talk about it a little bit earlier. So around the age of 40. And if you're a man from any ethnic background that has a history of prostate cancer in the family, or even a history of really fast, aggressive growing cancers, then it's a good thing to talk to your doctor about to make them aware of your family history, and the doctor might recommend that you come in as early as 40 or so to begin doing these screenings.
0: And she tells us about some of the cool things happening in health around prostate cancer today.
1: And then also in the clinical trial space, there are some really interesting studies going on about trying to slow prostate cancer growth in men that already have prostate cancer. So both of these studies are really non-invasive and they both have to do with diet. So the one is incorporating walnuts into the diet. So they're trying to see if does eating walnuts and just about two ounces a day, so just a handful of walnuts, can that slow prostate cancer growth.
0: So stay tuned. We hope you get something from this and we hope you share it with a man you love So, it's so good to see you, Hannah. It's so wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back to help educate us on another topic, which uh, we, you know, in essence of sort of prostate cancer awareness month, have decided to, to delve into the topic a little more. So, I want to start by uh, maybe just getting to know you for anyone who hasn't seen any of your previous videos. Maybe you can give us a bit of background on, on your history.
1: For sure so yeah hi Cass and hi everybody. So my name is Hannah sharp and I'm a recent graduate from Western University in Ontario, Canada, and I graduated just this spring with a bachelor's of science degree, where I specialize with biology. And for the past two years or so, I've been interested in research too, and I've been working in a microbiology lab here in Canada that focuses on antibiotic resistance. So I have this really big interest in research and also health, and that's what brings me here today to be with you, Cassandra, and to be talking about Prostate Cancer Awareness Month.
0: Amazing, amazing. And that's, I think what's fascinating about your background is you're able to really break down these really difficult topics and making it easy for us to understand and really get a hold of of what we're dealing with. So let's talk a bit about prostate cancer. Why is it and why is it a concern?
1: Yeah, for sure. So to talk about what is prostate cancer, we'll first talk about what is the prostate and then we'll go into what is cancer and then we'll bring them both together. So the prostate is a gland in the male reproductive system, and it's a really small gland. It's just about the size of a walnut, and its function is to help produce seminal fluid within the reproductive system. And in the body, anatomically, it's located just below the bladder and right in front of the rectum, and it is only found in males. Therefore, only males can get prostate cancer. So if we move now on to cancer, cancer is just this kind of big umbrella term that refers to disease involving cells of the body. And if we go and talk about what are cells and where are they, we have cells completely everywhere in our body and we have skin cells, we have cells in our eyes, and of course there are cells in the prostate. So, it's important to know that cells are growing and dividing and dying all the time, but they have to do so in a really particular way. And our body is really good at doing all these checkpoints that will regulate cell growth and cell death. But cancer is what happens when there is an issue with these regulations in our body that can lead to cells dividing and growing too quickly and not dying frequently enough. Mm. And when these cells are growing too fast and not dying enough, this can lead to Masses of cells in irregular cell growth, which are referred to as tumors, which is a pretty common cancer term that I think a lot of us would know about. And uh, yeah, that's all just cells growing, not as they're supposed to. So if we take what we know about prostate and where it is, and then cancer, prostate cancer is therefore what happens when prostate cells are growing uncontrollably, unlike healthy cells in our body normally would do. Okay, so now we have a little bit of a background about prostate cancer and why do we have to worry about it and why is prostate cancer awareness month important so prostate cancer is the actual second leading cause of death of cancer deaths among men so it's something to definitely take seriously but it's not really something that we have to fear all the time because prostate cancer is really highly treatable especially if it's caught early So doctors have done a lot of research and we have really good methods of predicting what types of prostate cancer will be more aggressive than others in order to plan treatment accordingly. And so it's really common and one in six men or so will develop prostate cancer throughout their lifetime. But treatments are so effective that only one in 34 men will die of the disease. And it all comes back to just catching it as early as possible and giving yourself the best health outcomes that you can.
0: So that's very, very interesting because it sounds like you know, really the key here is to get it diagnosed early. Um, So how do I know as a male, how do I, how would I know if I have it?
1: For sure. So the first way that you could know if you have it is there's symptoms that can come along with prostate cancer. So one thing to note is that the symptoms only really tend to come up if you're in the later stages of the disease where the tumor has grown to the point that it's causing issues with urination and issues with erectile dysfunction, things like that, also possibly pain. So the one way is symptoms, but we wanna try to avoid that because that's meaning that it's a later progression. The other way of knowing that you have prostate cancer is going to your doctor and doing health checks. So what doctors will typically do is they'll do something called a digital rectal exam, which is an examination where the doctor will wear gloves and use lubrication to insert one digit or a finger inside the rectum to feel the actual prostate gland with the finger. And what the doctor's doing is they're looking and trying to feel for kind of hard areas of the prostate or bumps or irregularities. And also they'll try to sense if you're feeling any pain or discomfort or tenderness. And these types of irregularities can point to potentially prostate cancer. So your doctor will do these exams and then if they feel anything irregular, then they'll send you off for some other tests such as doing biopsies where a clinic will take a really small amount of cells from the prostate using like a really tiny needle and then look at it under a lab to see if the cells are looking irregular or they can do things like body scans or blood tests to look for elevated markers of prostate cancer. But yeah, really the first step is trying to go and get tested so you can catch it early or yeah, the second thing is if you have symptoms.
0: So it's and just for clarification, you know, sticking the the digit, uh, it's basically up the bum um yeah. to be able to to feel around for any irregularities and um, hard portions, et cetera. But why does it have to be that way? I know there's like a lot of discomfort for for yeah. talking about it, but why why is that the best way right now to test for initially?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a really good question. And it's a good one to address because it's totally understandable that men could feel a little bit uncomfortable or even embarrassed going to do this because it's a private area. Right. But the invasiveness of the test really just comes down to where the prostate is located in the body. So it has to be inside the body. So just within the rectum that the doctor is able to feel it. And if we think about other types of testing for cancers, like if we talk about breast cancer, which by the way, breast cancer awareness month is next month, (laughs) but uh, breast cancer, when we're kind of screening for it, it's a similar thing where at home women will feel breast tissue and feel for any bumps or irregularities. And then the same thing, when you go to a doctor and you have them check you, they'll be doing that same palpation and trying to feel for that too. So it's a really common way to do it, but with the prostate, just because it's located below the bladder and slightly inside of the body, that's why this digital rectal exam is a good way. And then also too, there's multiple different ways to screen for prostate cancer, such as I talked about looking for a whole body scan and then blood markers, but this digital rectal exam is a really even though it's inside the body, it's relatively non-invasive because you're not needing to poke at anything or take any cells out or go through expensive testing that requires you to go to a second location and use more resources. And so it's a really good thing to just start with screening. And even though it's a little invasive, it's really safe, really quick, and we get a lot of good results from it.
0: So it's amazing because it's sort of this, this little moment of discomfort that could prevent sort of a longer term um, issue. And as you're mentioning, it's the second most prominent cancer among males. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know, what's interesting is also I, I believe in some of the research is it doesn't matter sort of what represent like what community you come from. Um, it, it impacts all men equally based on race, based on um uh sexual preference, et cetera. So you know, same-sex couples will get impacted as much as um, a hetero man as well. So um, it's fairly common and it sounds like preventable for, for most men.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely really common. And then to touch on uh, race quickly, different types of ethnic groups do have slightly different risks of prostate cancer. So, for example, African-American men and people from African descent actually have a slightly higher risk of getting prostate cancer and a higher risk of having different outcomes. Whereas, for example, men from Asian backgrounds have a decreased risk of prostate cancer. And so the reasons for why this occurs um, in terms of the science isn't fully understood still, but it might have something to do with just different hereditaries and different diseases have different um, likelihoods within different communities. So it's important to note that if you are an African-American man, especially, you should be talking to your doctor about this a little bit earlier. And then actually while on this topic too, I'll talk about when you should be going to check for prostate um prostate checks and doing this digital rectal exam. So in general, for all men, regardless of ethnic group and background, any man that's over 50 should be talking to their doctor about when they should start doing the digital rectal exams because prostate cancer risk does increase with age. Mm -hmm. But if you're a man from African um, American descent, then it's recommended that you go to your doctor and talk about it a little bit earlier, so around the age of 40. And if you're a man from any ethnic background that has a history of prostate cancer in the family, or even a history of really fast, aggressive growing cancers, then it's a good thing to talk to your doctor about to make them aware of your family history, and the doctor might recommend that you come in as early as 40 or so to begin doing these screenings.
0: Amazing, amazing. So, you know, really the, the highlight here, I think, from this is just having the awareness, the knowledge, uh, being proactive. And it sounds like if you're in that, you know, 50 range plus is to start doing that. But if you have a history of it or if you're one of the ethnic communities that are more prone to getting this disease, it's probably early, easier uh, and better to get in early to have those discussions with your yeah. doctor. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. and And so... All right, let's say worst case scenario, I've got this and I'm dealing with it. What are are some of the common lines of treatment that exist today for prostate cancer?
1: Yeah. For sure. So there's a lot of different treatments for people that have prostate cancer. And if you are diagnosed with prostate cancer and you go through all these processes to determine that, yes, you do have it, your doctor will talk through the treatment options with you and figure out what the best option for you based on your cancer stage. So is it really early or is it late and how quickly do they think it's growing? They'll also incorporate your medical history and then also your personal desires of what your concerns are and what you're worried about. So to kind of speak about the treatment options that they have out there. The first treatment option is active surveillance. So this is for really slow growing cancers or for men who have a slower growing cancer in like later stages of the life. And active surveillance would just mean that you're monitoring the cancer progression over time, but you're not intervening and there's no need for treatment right then. Another thing is if the cancer is growing a little bit quicker or you're younger and they want to nip it in the bud and get rid of it as soon as possible, then you can have options to treat the tumor itself, such as surgery, radiation or cryotherapy. So for surgically, surgically, the doctors would go in usually with a little robotic arm and they would cut off that part of the prostate that has the tumor and the irregular growing cancer cells or if it's, a, if it's really spread throughout the prostate, they might remove the prostate itself. And then for radiation, this would involve targeting radiation right at that prostate tumor to try and kill the tumor again. And then cryotherapy would be finally using like really cold temperatures to target the tumor and try to kill the cancer cells. So moving on from those ones, there's also hormone therapy. So this hormone therapy one is pretty interesting and a little bit of background to understand why this is, is that testosterone, which is a certain hormone that's in high levels in male blood, um, actually feeds prostate cancer tumors. So a therapy, therefore, to um, decrease prostate cancer and decrease the cancer growth is to lower blood testosterone levels and try and slow cancer growth. So -hmm. that's an option too. And then finally, there's also chemotherapy, which is a pretty common therapy in all cancers, and that's using a chemical treatment put throughout your body to target those cancer cells and try to kill them too. But uh, overall, if you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, you can have these conversations with your doctors, weigh the pros and cons of each one, and then make a decision between your family and then also with your doctor about what the right option is for you.
0: I think that's so important to know, because I think the assumption is, you know, when you hear cancer, everyone knows chemotherapy as as mm-hmm. the first line of treatment. What's interesting, I think, about what you're saying is there's multiple lines of first treatment available for this particular cancer. And that's what's interesting is that you could have something that suits better for your health needs as your first line of therapy. It doesn't have to be necessarily chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is, is the amount of, so I'll just be quite blunt. I mean, it's dealing with, around the male reproductive area. Um, you were mentioning how it's, um, sorry, it's near the seminal. It's yeah, function. so it's,
1: it's just below the bladder, but it is in that whole male reproductive area. And then its function in sexual reproduction is to produce the fluid that contains
0: the sperm. Okay, so I don't, I, On behalf of men, I'm not, you know, I don't know that experience, but that's, that's very scary to be near that area. Um, I've been reading that there's things called castration sensitivity and castration Mm -hmm. resistance and automatically, you know, I'm feeling tense. How would you describe that process or, or what, you know, are there legitimate fears around being around that area as, as a man? yeah
1: for sure so um to talk about castration sensitivity and address that first and I think that's a great question again too because castration tends to just even in myself bring about these negative emotions and it's it's a scary term right so castration outside of prostate cancer and and the term that brings about this fear usually refers to surgical removal of the testicles mm-hmm. but castration in the context of prostate cancer actually means something completely different so in the context of prostate cancer castration is meaning that blood serum, testosterone levels are medically reduced to the levels they would be as if a man had the testicles removed. So as I kind of mentioned before, um, one of the things that promotes uh, prostate cancer growth is testosterone levels. And so a way to treat prostate cancer is to reduce testosterone levels in the body. And so this whole castration sensitivity and this type of thing is referring to this treatment option. Not all men have to do it, but it's an option there where you medically decrease testosterone and that can help slow the tumor growth. But it has nothing to do with actually going into the genital area and removing testicles. It's just a medicine you take or a shot you can take that decreases your testosterone levels that are circulating in your blood.
0: Such a relief, because yeah. <laughs> every time I see one of those in a study, I, I just, you know, the word itself triggers a lot of uh, negative emotions, as you said. For sure. Um, yeah.
1: And then also I'll just add to, so to talk about in general, um, the risk of prostate cancer and then how it's affecting, uh, your sexual life and activity and stuff with your partner. So there are risks if you have a later stage of prostate cancer and they're going in for surgeries or needing to use radiation. But the biggest thing again, is that if you're catching prostate cancer early, you have really good prognosis and really good outcomes and treatment has just been getting better and better and better over the years where the surgeries that they're doing. the radiation and these types of things really are only targeting that actual tumor area and they're not trying not to affect the other tissues at all and so there's good outcomes generally there are some concerns that you can talk about with your doctor but again the biggest thing is that if you catch it early then your outcomes with getting rid of the cancer and also maintaining all of your normal processes in your body are just are really high
0: Excellent. So it just brings back to the point why it's important to, to just go through those few minutes of discomfort so that okay. your just outcome is overall better. Um, but you know, if you do end up getting prostate cancer, it sounds like first lines of treatments are are promising. What else is being developed in the prostate cancer space? I'm sure there's there's improvements being made. What are some current new developments?
1: For sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, research going on with prostate cancer in the clinical trial space. So I can touch on a few different options that I read about that I thought were interesting. So one of the first ones is about treating prostate cancer. And this treatment that's being evaluated in clinical trials right now for its efficacy is called proton radiation therapy. So I talked before about one of the methods to treat prostate cancer is to use radiation. And proton radiation therapy is using that same thing, but instead of using x-rays to create radiation onto the tumor, they're using protons, which are positively charged subatomic molecules. And then they're targeting that at that depth where the prostate tumor is. And they're trying to study this as a new way to kind of bring into mainstream medicine that may be actually more beneficial than using x-ray radiation, because it can be a little bit more targeted. And they're trying to see if it can um, cause less damage to surrounding tissues than the radiation methods that they have out there. So that's an exciting study going on that men who have prostate cancer and meet eligibility criteria within that can participate in. And then also in the clinical trial space, there are some really interesting studies going on about trying to slow prostate cancer growth in men that already have prostate cancer. So both of these studies are really non-invasive and they both have to do with diet. So the one is incorporating walnuts into the diet. So they're trying to see if does eating walnuts and just about two ounces a day, so just a handful of walnuts, can that slow prostate cancer growth. And then the other study has to do with green tea and green tea contains antioxidants that have a lot of different health benefits from like killing bacteria to reducing inflammation. And they may have roles in helping cell regeneration and in preventing cancer. So they're trying to see does eating green tea when you have prostate cancer or rather drinking green tea or or drinking these antioxidants, um, does that help slow prostate cancer tumor growth. So these are really exciting areas, and you can kind of see how some of them are a little bit more medical and involve um, like treatments, whereas other ones are just as simple as eating walnuts or drinking green tea. Um, but this whole clinical trial space is trying to expand the different studies that they have going on in prostate cancer, understanding how it works, trying to improve treatment outcomes, and trying to reduce the growth in invasive and, and more non-invasive ways. So it's, it's really exciting what's going on there.
0: Well, and that's so fascinating. I think because when I hear clinical trials and and maybe it's just all of the things that have happened in the last year and a half, it's mm-hmm. for me, it's like, well, is it a drug that's being developed? Is it something, again, to your point, medical or is it science and molecules? And it sounds like it's sort of both. There's precision therapy, as you were saying, with the proton, um, much more accurate preserving tissue around the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And then it can be as much as nutrition. I think we I I know, I just assume that it's all medical without understanding that there is, you know, lifestyle and diet studies happening sure. to measure whether or not people can make improvements by what they consume and, and whether or not there are health benefits from that. And that that's very exciting is it's not mm-hmm. just about the medicines, but it's about the life and the lifestyles okay. of people. Yeah. Um,
1: What's really cool about clinical trials, too, is that it's really just about advancing the knowledge that we have and bringing new treatment options from being kind of tested and seeing how does this work to the mainstream for everybody to be able to make use of. And so you can participate in clinical trials if you have prostate cancer, if you don't have prostate cancer and you're healthy, but you want to participate in the control groups to just make sure the studies have enough participants. There's that, too. And yeah, and like you were saying, some of them are invasive, some are not. For example, I was even reading about a study that has to do with contacting participants and teaching them in uh, over the phone way versus an informational electronic way about the importance of talking about family history when it comes to cancer. And so there's so many different types of clinical trials out there. And if you have a condition that you want to try and treat yourself or advance for other people with your condition, or even if you're just interested in the science and the research and helping, others, then you can participate in the clinical trials and and it's it's just a really great,
0: useful thing for advancing science and medicine. That's amazing. It's amazing because it's, it's that everyone can help make a difference and Mm -hmm. participation is one of the ways, or even just knowing more about what's available I think awareness is huge. I, I love that you brought up one-on-round dialogue, too, because I think how we talk about disease, how we communicate about disease, there's so many barriers in terms of even just where, how you've been brought up in, in your cultural background as well in terms of communicating. So, uh, you know, just even the educational piece and a study that's conducting how we how we talk about our disease and our genetic history, I this is incredible. I think it's so amazing all the, the different vari- variables that, you know, science is trying to, to address for mm-hmm. people. For sure. Um, other than, you know, again, driving home the message that it sounds like being actively uh, conscious about your health, but also taking the steps to, you know, check yourself out, constantly maintain your health and, and, and so forth. Are there any other recommendations or advice you would give to, to anybody?
1: Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just with prostate cancer awareness month. The reason why it's so important is because it is extremely common in men. And so it's important to talk about it, create, and just try to decrease the stigma around it and just educate yourself. If you're a man about how this happens and why it has to happen this way. And if you have friends who are men and are reaching those kind of older ages around 40 to 50, then it's good to open up the conversation with them too. It's all about just taking your health into your own hands and just realizing that it's not, doesn't have to be a scary thing. And the earlier you treat it, the less scary it has to be. And uh, in general, I mean, we're blessed to have the internet and there's so many resources out there. I think a lot of other people are trying to spread the word about prostate cancer. And so there's tons of educational resources in podcasts. If you just type up prostate cancer on podcast apps on YouTube, they have diagrams of how it works and they walk you through the process of the digital rectal exams. There's tons of informational um, websites that are put on by cancer.org or different educational and teaching universities and just tons of resources out there and so don't be afraid to look up these things and don't be afraid to talk to your doctor about it too it's good to just open up that conversation and talk to them about what to expect no matter what age you are and and uh, yeah just taking your health into your own hands it's a great thing
0: I love it that's great messaging Hannah thank you so much for helping you make a very very challenging large topic very easy to understand it's it's great speaking with you
1: Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Cass. And yeah, happy Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you.